Hey everybody, what's happening? Uh, welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast, episode 252. And today, what I bring to you is the gift of decent audio. Yes, the gift of decent audio. So, quick backstory to this really quick. Uh, quick backstory really quick. Okay, that was redundant. But anyway, so um, one of the things I've been doing for a while is I've been recording the podcast in a video-only format, and then we take the audio from the video and kind of draw it out, and then we make that the audio portion of the podcast, and then we upload the video portion as well. And I've been doing that for months because for a while I was doing two platforms simultaneously. I was doing both an audio recording device and a video recording device, and it was a lot of moving parts, and I'm a grandfather now, and too many moving parts is just too much. So I decided to simplify it. And so I did that, and then one of the things I have not done done is gone back and listened to any of the podcasts. I have to watch a little bit of the video when we do some editing stuff. So I never picked up the fact that for the audio side, it just sounded like it was like that game of two tin cans and a strain. You know, like I was podcasting to you old school 1960s kid fun in the bedrooms. Uh, and so I, I this week uh, heard an audio clip. I'm like, that sounds terrible. That is on me. Because I didn't realize it was kind of that tingy or whatever else. And so, um, because I never go back and listen to my own podcasts. Because, well, frankly, not only would that be weird for me to go back and listen to my own podcast. But the other part is I'd probably disagree with my podcast if we went back and listened to it. And then that's really strange when you're sending yourself an email to say, hey, Matt Boswell, I disagree with what you said in the podcast. And then I get defensive of myself. And then it becomes a vicious circle. And then you realize... Matt's got issues. So anyway, I've not listened to the podcast until this week. I heard a little bit and I went, that is not right. I'm going to get back to doing both the audio and the video because the audio software we have definitely makes everything a lot clearer. And so my end of the summer gift to you is clear audio. And what's nice is actually we'll kind of port this over to the video side, even make the video side a little bit more clear as well. So that's kind of the mission objective. I hope that turns out the way it's supposed to. I hope everything works according to the standard that we set. And from this, you'll be like, oh, that is much more pleasant than it used to be. So anyway, not the topic of the day, but something, again, that's important nonetheless, because uh, I, I, I had my, my beats on when I listened to the podcast, and I'm like, Man, when you have something so intimate to your hearing sound so much like it's a soup can, you're like, that's not cool. I don't want to torture these people anymore. I also don't want to torture you anymore by talking about the fact that it sounded like a tin can. So we're going to move on to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day does have some level of relationship to the topic of last week. Um, that topic last week was, was really all about, you know, uh, how, how are we to own the reality that there is a lower and a higher standard simultaneously in the context of the New Testament. So I said, hey, when we went into the New Testament, God massively lowered the standard. And I know that makes some people uncomfortable because they don't like the idea of God lowering a standard. Like, well, why would God lower a standard? Was it bad before? And then he lowered it for a reason because it was better to do it then. Well, I think the answer to that is actually yes. That makes some people kind of jittery, but I think the answer is yes. Like the Old Testament standard, I mean, Paul talks about the law and he's like, the law was meant to put us in bondage. The law led to death. The law was not, had no ability to give to us a righteous standing or a truly right living life. It didn't possess that power, which was why it was like it needed to draw down into something different. It needed to lead us to a better thing. And when it did, when it led us to the, the values and ideals of the kingdom, it's like in one sense, God's like, okay, so we're going to lower the standard. I don't care if you gather sticks on the Sabbath. I don't care if you're wearing a polycotton blend. I don't care if you like, like shrimp cocktail, like, 
let's drop the standard on that stuff. We're not going to kill anybody now for their offenses. We're not going to cane a, a bad employee with a stick. We're not going to do any of that. So in that sense, the the standard of the law and what was required dropped. We're not punching out eyes for eyes and teeth for teeth. No, we are actually going with a new higher, better ethic. And that higher, better ethic is that stuff of the Sermon on the Mountain, the Sermon on the Plain, and the Fruit of the Spirit, and the definition of love. And love is probably the real chief component of that, that love is the new higher standard. And it is higher because, listen, laws are much easier to do because they're just trying to control your conduct. Love is much harder because it requires a sort of internal self-sacrifice or a dying to oneself to effectively and efficiently love others, especially when Jesus said the highest form of that love is when you love the unlovely, when you love the unlikable, when you love your enemy, like that's the highest reach of that. And so I I, I think the value there is saying, you know what, when we get all sucked into worrying about laws and rules and systems and all of that in our world today, we're missing the headline, right, for us as Christians, because the headline for us is, man, we need to be engaged in radical and relentless love no matter what we do. Like that's got to be the thing that we're driven to. And so today, in some ways, is sort of like a sequel to last week, but it's to remind us of what our chief export is in the world, right? And and let me give you kind of the visual for that. So Paul says in Philippians that we are now citizens of the kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. We are, we no longer have a citizenship really here on earth, or if anything, maybe you could say we have a dual citizenship, but our primary anchoring point is going to be what the kingdom's all about and what it's doing in the world. So the kingdom is like a nation, and then we have the world that's like a nation, and we are representatives and ambassadors of the kingdom nation, and with that, we are to have an export. And the export that we are to have into the world is the export of love. Love is the big idea. Love is the headline. Love is the huge component that the world desperately needs to see. Because if I take your attention back to like Titus chapter 3, verse 3, what the world knows is hating and being hated. What the world knows is division. What the world knows is divide. If you go back and look at the template of Israel in the Old Testament, God gathered them as a nation so they could reach the nations. In other words, he didn't gather them as a nation so they could become a microcosm to themselves, build a giant wall around themselves and say, keep the world out. It's just us who are in. That was never the intention. It was to gather them, establish them, kind of raise them up and then scatter them to the nations to bless all the nations. That was the mission. And Israel rejected that. And I say that because I, 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 my concern right now is that we're wanting to make the same mistakes as Israel. So we're like, I want to gather to places in the country that are people just like me. I'm leaving places. I'm leaving the place where people are not like me to go to a place where people are just like me. We all want to gather together. We want to cordon off the world that we disagree with, the world that we're sick of, the world that we judge. We want to cordon them off, make it just us. And we're not looking to bless the nations or even bless our nations, but rather we want to be blessed in our own little micro nation state, our one little chunk of 50 with people just like us. That's what we want to do. Or I want to gather in a church where everybody's just like me and thinks like me and judges the others like me and believes just like me and makes me feel comfortable with others just like me. And all of that is a failure to export love to those who need it. And, and if anything, I even think it's motivated a little bit by the passage of Titus, hating and being hated. I hate the liberals or I hate the conservatives. I hate the left. I hate the right. I hate these governors. I hate those states. I hate whatever. Hate, 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 hate. Can't stand it. Drives me nuts. Blows my mind. Blah. You know, all that stuff. 
and love dies in the midst of that, especially the most beautiful kind of love, which is tough love. And I don't mean like harsh love. I mean, love that's love that's tough to live, right? Like imagine that Jesus comes into a world riddled with sinners and loves them well. Jesus is beaten and tortured and crucified by a world of sinners and he's loving them well. He rises from the dead in victory and, 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 and this power to reclaim all things motivated by love because he's loving the world well. And then he says, I want you to go and do likewise. Do what I do, live as I lived and think as I think and care as I care and invest as I invested. And that means then for us, our mission is to export love to the world. That's the new higher standard that Jesus gave to us. Whether, again, it's loving an enemy or loving a friend or overcoming evil by doing good, right? All of that counts because Jesus says that's the only difference maker in the world. And I get it, man. There are times and there are people that it's going to make it really, really hard. And all the more, that's why that's a good thing. It's a good thing when our capacity to love is tested and we stand up to the test and we overcome in the test. If we just decide, you know what? Some people are just too hard to love. I'm not going to love them. I'm just going to bolt, right? We didn't withstand a test. And James tells us, man, no, listen, it's only when you're tested do you have the opportunity for your faith to grow. So let it grow. If anything, we should be doing the opposite of fleeing uh, those that we find hard to love. We should instead be trying to figure out effective ways to love them well in the space that they are in. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't times where you have borders maybe with unique types of individuals. And what I mean by that is there's certainly family members. There's certainly people that you've been in an intimate friendship with, and that is ruptured. And maybe there is a season of of having a boundary, that's totally acceptable and okay. But even in the boundary, what we're working toward in the boundary is God, help me to love them. Even if it be from a, a bit of a distance, help me to love them and to see them well and to heal my heart in relationship to their actions or to heal my heart in relationship to their words so that I can authentically love them in spirit and in truth because that's what I, I really want to aim for because that's the higher standard. See, I believe this is what the world is needing to see from us. I believe that the great test that the world has is not, are you good law keepers, but are you good lovers? Because law is, like I said earlier, so easy and love is so much more difficult, but love is actually what matters to God more than how many laws we keep, how many ethics we hold, how many values we espouse. If all of that stuff isn't motivated by love, it's just legalism. I want to say that again. If all of our law speak, law keeping, rule of lawishness, all those phrases, if it's not motivated by my heart is to love people well in those things, then it's just legalism. It's just rules. And that ends in death. That's what I said earlier that Paul said law ends in death. That's still true. That's why he dropped the standard on that, raised the standard on love, because that's what counts. Because even John says in 1 John chapter 4, if you can't love people that you can see, how can you really say you love God that you can't see, right? It's really kind of a silly thing. We can talk about, I love God, but if I don't love people, then I don't love God. That's his point. And I think that's really valuable. In fact, that's the thing we need to probably understand more and more, that the deepest sin of the Christian life is not a violation of law, the deepest sin in the Christian life is a failure to love. And I say that because what is the greatest commandment about? Is it make sure you keep the law with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? No, it's make sure you love 
your God and love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the deepest, truest sin of us as followers of Jesus is a failure to love and export love to a lost world. That is the deepest failure. That is the greatest sin. And what makes that sin compounded even more is if we're more wrapped up in the laws of this world or the laws that we want to hold people to or the laws of morality and ethics, and it causes us to back away from loving them because we see them as violators of God's holiness or God's standard or God's rules. And therefore we go, I don't want to be near them. I want to judge them. I want to lob bombs over the wall at them then it's doubly kind of compacted because we're elevating law over love and then refusing to love and instead we're judging in law. And this is a dangerous space to be in. It's a dangerous space to be in for all of us because that was the space of Israel. That's kind of how I started off the podcast, right? This is the, the place they found themselves living in far too often, right? They were looking around at their world and saying, keep them out. Let it just be us who are in. And that's not the mission of the kingdom. That's not the message of the gospel. That's not the the final, like, hey, go and do this commission that Jesus gives to the people. He says, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And what was the chief thing he commanded? You already know the answer to that. He commanded us to love. That's the higher standard. So the next time you and I are tempted to um, mock the liberals, uh, mock the socialists, mock the conservatives even, mock the the super like pro-Trump people, whoever we're wanting to mock. Um, we need to take a step backwards and go, that's not our calling. As soon as we just want to be critical of people and kind of call them names, that's not our calling. And more than that, it's us literally looking to God and saying, I know you said it, but I'm not interested in it. I know you said the number one thing is love, but listen, it's way more fun to sit around and and gripe about how people violate your holy law, God, than it is to reveal to them your holy love. So yeah, I think there is a simple form, a basic form of Christianity afoot sometimes that isn't very hard to do because it appeals to our judgmental nature. It appeals to our interest in hating and being hated. But see, our calling is to go to war with our own inclinations and to lean into that thing that is hard but beautiful, that thing that brings richness and flourishing to the nations because that has always been the plan of God. And so whether it's a difficult neighbor whether it's a, just a, 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 a challenging boss, whether it's people on social media, whether it's the place that you live, even though these people don't see the world as you do, whether it's your church that's going one direction and your heart's going another direction where they really love law, but you really love love, uh, whatever your environment is, you're called to be an ambassador of a kingdom that is built on, predicated, driven by this affectionate thing called love, this commitment of affection that leans in for the good of the, another, doesn't roll in on itself and care about its own self-preservation and security and safety and interest and opinions, but rather says, I will stow all of those for the sake of others because Jesus stowed all of that for the sake of me. And I believe the more we are doing that, the more we'll be effective everyday missionaries.